Many thanks for joining us on this episode of the Heart Podcast. My name is Dr. James Rudd. I'm the digital media editor at Heart Journal, and I'm delighted to be joined today on the podcast by Dr. Paul Kramer from the Cleveland Clinic. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. Uh, thank you, Dr. Rod. It's it's really a pleasure to be with you. Uh, Paul, could you uh, first of all just describe your position at the Cleveland Clinic? Uh, sure. So I, I'm a cardiologist, and I specialize in cardiovascular imaging. And uh, you've recently written with uh, co-author Steve Nissen uh, an editorial for Heart entitled "The Nice Update for Stable Chest Pain: Poorly Reasoned and Risky for Patients." Could you give us a little bit of background into the uh, the motivation for writing the editorial, Paul? Uh, sure, of course. I, I think that the first question is, in the current era where cardiovascular mortality has continued to decrease over the past few decades, why is it that we should be performing more imaging in patients that are at increasingly lower risk? And in particular, NICE has advocated for uh, coronary CTA in, in all patients with atypical or typical angina. And the British Society of Cardiovascular Imaging has estimated an increase in the use of coronary CTA by 700%. So it's really, why are we doing more testing in, in patients that are at increasingly lower risk? It, it just didn't really make sense at the outset. Okay. And just for the uh, people listening who aren't familiar with the updated guidelines, uh, these were initially issued in 2010 and revised in late 2016. I understand that in this iteration of the guidelines, the, the pretest probability calculation has been completely removed. Can you see any reason why that is a, is a good idea? Well, uh, to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, what we know is um, historically, uh, we've used the diamond enforced or classification using patient age, sex, and the quality of the chest pain to guide our pretest probability. And it is true in the past couple of decades that that uh, assessment has systematically overestimated the risk that a patient has coronary artery disease. But instead of abandoning that totally and just testing everyone, there are actually new uh, risk tools that help us better select patients um, who should and should not have testing. So it's unclear to me why uh, NICE has decided to go in this direction and, and completely abandon the, the Bayesian approach to assessing patients with possible coronary artery disease. And the um, other thing that uh, has changed is that the exercise ECG, which previously was uh, second line really within the NICE guidelines, now has been thrown out altogether in favor of either functional testing with imaging as a second line or, as I say, first line cardiac CT. Do you think there's any merit in still using the exercise EKG testing in certain patients? I remain a big proponent of exercise ECG testing uh, for a couple of reasons. The first is that while admittedly it's not as good at diagnosing coronary disease as, as other modalities that incorporate imaging, what it is excellent at is defining the low-risk patient. And so a patient that can give a good exercise capacity on a treadmill test is a low-risk patient, and we should really question whether that patient should be subjected to more testing, uh, particularly when it involves ionizing uh, radiation. I think the other important point there is that from a practical perspective, assessing exertional symptoms with exercise remains really important. And, and in my practice, I use the exercise ECG 
oftentimes to reassure an anxious patient. And so I, I think moving away from the exercise and the importance of exercise uh, is really sending the wrong message to our patients. I understand. I see what you're saying. And what about the argument that the NICE authors use that uh, basically cardiac CT is a, is a more cost-effective uh, method of diagnosing obstructive CAD and also superior to any other uh, imaging modality, including uh, nuclear testing and MR? Uh, do, do you buy that argument at all? Well, I, I think you've raised a couple of important issues there. The, the first is related to cost-effectiveness. And I think generally, if you look at the clinical trials, namely the PROMISH trial and the Scott Hart trial, uh, there's really no difference in the cost uh, of coronary CT versus standard of care, um, often including functional imaging. But a couple of important points there is standard of care hasn't so far really included deferred testing and, and really selecting the low-risk patients who, who don't need further testing. And, and, I, and I think that's going to be an important uh, area of future investigation. I don't think a convincing argument can be made that, that coronary CT is really a more cost-effective approach. Uh, I think the second point that you raised is related to a diagnostic testing. And what the proponents of coronary CT have emphasized is that coronary CT correlates better with invasive angiography. And, and to me, that's that's expected and, and very obvious that if you compare one anatomic test, coronary CT, with another anatomic test, invasive angiography, well, of course, it's going to perform better. But, but really, what's misplaced is that invasive coronary angiography, just by looking for stenosis, should not be the gold standard that we're interested in. It's really what's the functional significance of these lesions. Uh, and for these, we really need to assess with fractional flow reserve. And that really hasn't been done in comparing uh, diagnostic accuracy. Right, I see. Uh, finally, um, I think you make the point, and you raised this earlier on in your introduction, that particularly in the UK, at least, the implementation of a effectively a CT-guided approach is going to be very difficult to, to implement because of the training uh, required for radiologists and radiographers and also the, the number of CT scanners that this would uh, require. You said between a six and 700% increase in the amount of hardware in the UK. What's the situation in, in the U.S.? Are you better provisioned there with, with cardiac CT? Well, I, I think um, I can only speak to the, the practice really at my own center. Um, and uh, we're able to um, perform cardiac uh, CT angiography. But, but we, at least here, we use it on a much more select basis. Uh, usually patients that have had uh, an equivocal functional study Patients with a non-ischemic cardiomyopathy where there's a low probability for obstructive coronary disease. So I think in the U.S., for example, if we were to take this same approach that, that NICE has taken, it, it would put a significant stress uh, on the system. And again, I think the major point is with these patients that are in, at increasingly lower risk, um, why are we going to pursue uh, more testing uh, and more expensive testing when we really should be focusing on which patients need no testing at all? and uh, which patients can be effectively risk stratified with a simple exercise treadmill test. Yeah, I, uh, I think this argument is, is going to run and run. We're not, we're not going to solve it today. Um, the, the guidelines, as you, uh, su as you suggest, are, are now in force in the UK. Uh, I know there's been significant pushback uh, from some quarters and also enthusiasm from, 
from other quarters. So I suspect we'll have to wait and see exactly how they how they bed into uh, routine day-to-day use. But Paul, I want to thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. James, uh, thanks so much. Thank you.